Hi, this is Blake Andrews, lead pastor at Victory World Outreach Denton, Texas. This is our podcast, and we're so glad that you came to check it out today. I hope this message encourages you and inspires you to do great things for God. And I want to talk this morning about the robe, the ring, and the shoes. Amen. The robe, the ring, and the shoes, or as the screen says, the ring, the robe, and the sandals. Amen. This is going to be our message this morning. Um, as you get your Bibles open, I want to, you to think of a word, a couple of words while we're getting ready to hear the word that I want you to have in your spirit while I'm preaching this message. I want you to think about how amazing and wonderful and powerful God's grace is. How many know God's grace is beyond what we can even imagine, what we can even understand, what we can even fathom, amen? When, you know what grace is? Grace is favor that you don't deserve, favor that you didn't do anything for. It's uh, love that you don't deserve, amen? We're not really, really uh, able, I don't even think, in our minds to comprehend how amazing God's grace is. I preached a message one time called The Amazing, Wonderful Grace of God. Unfathomable, supernatural, unexplainable. I'm trying to think of some of these words that you could throw on that word of grace. And hopefully by the time I get done this morning, you're going to see a picture of what God's grace is. Amen. You're going to have it in your spirit. And now, as you think of the word grace, I also want you to think of somebody this morning or somebody's that do not know the Lord. People will come to your mind as I say that. People in your life who are friends, family, neighbors, co-workers who do not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. You know that they're not living for the Lord. As they come into your mind, I want you to begin to think about them because we're going to preach about them today. I want you to think about somebody that you know that at some point in their life did know Jesus, went to church, was serving God, was, was bearing fruit, was living for the Lord, and now they are not on that path anymore. They are doing their own thing. They've gone back to their old ways. They're not in church. Uh, they're not serving the Lord. As you think of that person, I want you to have that person in your mind. So you might have a, a big cloud of people in your mind right now, or it might just be one individual. But regardless, this message is going to speak to you this morning. Amen? So I want to give you a little story to start off with. Before we get into the actual message in Luke 15, um, and this will kind of show us. This is kind of a picture of how I, what I found to be God's grace. Um, there was a man who was a mayor in New York. Anybody here from New York by, by, by chance, by the way? No? No New Yorkers here? New Yorkers? No? All right. I, I, it's funny. I, I, I have some kind of accent in my voice, and I run into people sometimes, and they think I'm from New York. I don't really know why. Do you all hear that at all? I don't know where it comes from, but they, are you from New York? I don't know. But there was a mayor called Fiorello LaGuardia. Say that three times fast. Amen. And he was the mayor back in the Great Depression. And he was, a, it's a true story, mayor like no other. He was super, super amazing. He was friendly. He loved everybody. Everybody loved him. He was five foot four, so he was a little vertically challenged. Amen. And if there's any guys in here that are five foot four, don't, don't take that wrong. Amen. Um, but five four is pretty short for a guy. Okay, for a guy. Um, my wife is, is around that, that size, that, that height, amen, she's one inch shorter. Um, but he was short, and he always had a nice jacket on, and he, would, he was known, they called him Little Flower, because he had a, a, always had a nice carnation in his jacket. 
He would go on police raids. He'd call up the police and say, hey, I want to go on, the, on a raid with you. He'd get on the fire truck and he'd go put out fires. He would sometimes take in, entire orphanages to baseball games, to Yankees baseball games. He was just a, a, a mayor that everybody loved. He also, um, sometimes when the New York newspapers would go on strike, he would get on the radio and he would read the Sunday funnies to the kids. So he was just an awesome, awesome mayor. One night in 1935, on a cold, very cold night, he said, I want to do something different. So he walks into the courtroom in one of the uh, areas of New York, and he says to the judge, you can go home and be with your family. I'm going to sit in tonight. And so he grabs the gavel and begins to serve as judge. Within a few minutes, his first case came in. The, The courtroom was full of people, and it was a tattered old woman who had been charged with stealing a loaf of bread. She was poor. Her family was uh, distraught. Her her daughter's husband had deserted her. Her other daughter was sick. Her grandchildren were starving. And so she stole a loaf of bread. But the shopkeeper from whom she stole the bread refused to drop the charges regardless of what this woman said were the circumstances. And so... He said, Your Honor, this is a really bad neighborhood, and we've got to punish her so that other people will see that you can't steal. So as he's listening to this man bring forth his case, he turns to the woman and says, I have to punish you. I have to punish you. As he sighed, the woman sighed. He turned, and he said, There's no exceptions. Laws are laws. He says, $10 or 10 days in jail. And as he's putting the gavel down and saying 10 J's in jail or $10, he reaches into his pocket and pulls out a $10 bill and puts it on the, on the table and says, this is remitted now because I'm paying your fine. As he does that, he begins to look around the, around the room and says, also, I'm going to fine every single one of you in this room for living in a city where someone has to steal a loaf of bread. And so he says, bailiff, begin to collect and the bailiff begins to go around and collect money so that her, this grand, so those grandchildren can eat. And it says in the next day in the newspaper, New York City newspaper reported that a, a $47.50 was turned over to a bewildered old lady who had stolen a loaf of bread to feed her starving grandchildren. 50 cents of that amount being contributed by the red-faced grocery store owner while some 70 criminals, people with traffic violations, and New York City policemen each had to pay 50 cents for the privilege of doing so, they gave the mayor that night a standing ovation in that court. That is a picture of God's grace. That is a picture of you and I coming in and standing before God and being sentenced to something for something we've done wrong, and God himself as that mayor saying, I'm going to pay their fine, and we're going to take care of this tonight. Amen? Isn't God's grace amazing? How many are thankful that God loved you when you weren't lovable? How many are thankful God saved you when you weren't savable? I know I got a bunch of saints in here, amen? You know what? We are saints now, but how many know we weren't saints? We weren't saints. The Bible says we're saints now, but we weren't born saints. Amen. And some of us are still trying to become that this morning. Amen. We're working on that. But I just want you to think of grace. I want you to think of that mayor. I want you to think of what he did as we begin to read this story that many of you are going to recognize in Luke chapter 15. 
We're going to be in verse 11 in just a second, but before we read verse 11, I want to tell you the two parables that go on before this story that are so powerful. The first one is a story, I'm not, not reading it, but just paraphrasing it real quick one. The first one is where the Bible talks about if, if there was a hundred sheep that were uh, together and, and, and one sheep got lost, who wouldn't go after the one, leave the 99 and go after the one to get the one that's lost? I'm going to know that parable. So there's a go there. The first two words of the gospel is go. Amen. That, that we're supposed to go. We're supposed to, like we're going to do on the, this month, we're going to go door to door. We're going to knock on doors. We're going to give people a bag of groceries. We're going to tell them and show them that Jesus loves them. Can you say amen? amen. We're going to show them that the Lord has a plan for their life. We're going to ask them if we can. So we're going to go. That parable talks about that. The next one says that this lady lost a coin of value, and it says what person, if they lost a coin at their house, wouldn't turn their house upside down trying to find that lost coin. You'd move all, all the things uh, uh, that are around for, to find that thing of value. And so you see again an action there in this parable. But what's interesting about this one we're going to read now is I want you to think about this before I read it so you understand it good. Something happens in this story where this person stays home. And this time it's a good thing. How many know sometimes we just have to stay home? And when I mean stay home, I mean stay home in church. This is the church home. This is the place, place where we come together and, and, and do what's right. How many know we're trying to do what's right this morning? Okay, so sometimes we just have to realize what I'm doing, when I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, God is doing what he's supposed to do. Now let's look at this story in Luke chapter 15, verse 11. Many of you will recognize this story. It said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided them to him his livelihood. Now, I want you to stop there for a second before we keep reading. I'm going to kind of break this up a little bit as I'm reading it. This is a, a son who has a very wealthy father. And there's two sons. And, they, and, and back in Bible days, in Bible times, in ancient times of our forefathers spiritually, uh, an inheritance was very important. And that first son, that first son was going to be the heir to that livelihood. He was going to be heir to everything that the father had. When the father died, the oldest son would get everything. But something interesting happens here, and this younger son comes to the father and says, I don't want to wait until you're dead. I want my inheritance now. And the father, in his love, says, okay, I'm going to give you what you want now. And so he gives him in his inheritance, and then we go on to read in the next verse, 13. It says, not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and journeyed to a far country. And there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. Now when we think about I want you to begin to follow this story as we read this. I want you to bring this home right now to that loved one you're thinking of. I want you to think about that unsaved person, that neighbor, that family member, that child, that, that person at work that doesn't know the Lord or has known the Lord and has gone away from the Lord. I want you to picture that person as we're reading this because sometimes when you think about this, as he went far away, how many know sometimes it seems like they're so far they'll never come back to God? How many have ever said that person's so far lost, they'll never be able to be redeemed? 
Come on, be honest. I, I've, I've ran into some people like that where I thought, man, they're just too far. In my flesh, I see them and I say, they've gone too far. They're too far gone. It's been so long since I've seen them. And so this boy, this man goes way off far into a foreign land and it says he wasted his possessions. He, he threw everything away. Now prodigal means lavish and wasteful. It means someone has so much stuff that they just waste it. They, they, they don't, and I know some of you are saying, man, I'd love to have that problem. Can you say amen? Some people, I'd love to have that problem. That I could just have so much that I could waste it. This man took all this stuff. I was reading this week. Did you know that most people, and I'm just throwing out the most, I was, this is a fact, most people that are wealthy are not happy? They're not. And I'm not talking about just someone who can, who can pay their bills and doesn't ha- has little money in the bank. I'm talking about people who have so much money that they don't know what to do with it. They're not happy. This man had so much money, he didn't know what to do with it. <clears throat> to be a prodigal, that's lavish. I had a friend in Costa Rica who um, uh, was a soccer player for the national team. And he, he, he made a lot of money playing in the World Cup and playing professional soccer. And he ended up getting saved, thank God. But at one point when he had a lot of money, he was, he was, he was living a prodigal life. He would take his sports car and he would go fill it up with jet fuel. Can you imagine how much jet fuel costs? A lot. And he would go and spend that crazy, lavish money just so he could feel good about himself and say, I spent, I, you know, I filled this up with jet fuel. It'd make his car run faster and everything. <clears throat> That's lavish. That's prodigal. That's wasteful, okay? So I, that, that was an example. Today, that, that man has lost everything. He made hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars. He has nothing to show for it today because he wasted it. He just wasted it. He's still famous, but he doesn't have anything to show for it. We have a whole United States full of athletes and stars and people who have all kinds of money, and they're not happy. Amen. And so how many know that if we're not in God's will and we don't, we're not living for God, we're not going to be happy? Do you realize that? Your happiest moment is when you're the closest to God. Amen. It's not the things that you have that makes you happy. It's the fact that you know that God's amazing grace is upon your life and he loves you. Amen. That's the greatest riches you can have is God's mercy and God's grace. And we're going to see a picture of that here in a minute. So how many are seeing the picture? This man has said, I'm, I'm going out. I'm leaving the house. I'm doing my own thing. And he gets out there and he wastes everything, it says there, with prodigal living. Now let's keep reading here. Verse 14. But when he had spent it all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. This is where a person hits rock bottom. He went and joined himself then to a citizen of that country, and the man sent him to his fields to feed the swine. Church, when you are not living for the Lord, when that person you're praying for this morning is not living for the Lord, when that lost person is out there doing what they're not supposed to do, their sin will take them further than they ever wanted to go. Keep them way longer than they ever want to stay and make them do things they never wanted to do. How many know that's the truth? Might be talking to some people in here who've been out there. 
I'm not just talking to people here this morning that, that are praying for that loved one or that lost person, but you might be that person who is just coming back around or you might be that person who came back around and you're, and you're realizing as you listen to this story, man, that was me. That was me. I, I, I wasted my life and I had nothing to show for it. Nothing. Nothing left to show. And this guy has lost everything. He has squandered not a few dollars. He has squandered his entire inheritance. He has lost everything he had. And now he's so desperate. Listen, we need to pray that our loved ones get to this place. That they get so desperate that he goes and gets a job and begins to feed the pigs. That's low. Amen. That's low. He's, he's, at his, he's at his lowest place. He's at his worst place. He's at, he's at, the, he's at a position of desperation, and, and it gets worse. That's what's crazy. How many know that sometimes we're in a situation that's bad, and you think it can't get any worse, and then it does. Right? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I know some people in here, you said that. Man, it, can it get any worse? And then it got worse. You said, yeah, it can. This man is feeding the swine, and watch this, verse 16. He sits such a bad place that he says, I would gladly have filled my stomach with the pods that the swine ate. He's so low that he will eat pig food. I'm not going to gross y'all out today, but y'all know what pigs eat, right? Anything. And the leftovers of the leftovers of the leftovers. And he's like, I'm going to eat that because I'm so hungry. And look what this verse says. And no one gave him anything. He's so low, he can't even get pig food. That's low. He, he's at rock bottom, amen? Now, this is where we need to pray that our loved ones get to right here. Because watch what happens in the next verse, verse 17. When he came to himself. Come on, somebody. We need to pray for that person this morning that they will come to their, they will come to their senses. See, it, when they're living in sin, and, and again, you were there and I was there. When we were living in sin, we couldn't see what we were doing. How many now, I want to ask you this question, now you're living for the Lord, you're serving God, God has changed your life, you're a new creation, and you look at other people now and you go, why do they do that stuff? Come on, let me see your hands. You, you, what, what, why do they do that? And then you forget that you were that person. That's why we're always talking about keeping it real and staying, staying in, 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 God, in, in humility because we cannot be Christians who are saved now and forget where we came from. Forget what God saved us from. Amen? How many know that song, Amazing Grace, that saved a wretch like me? Does anybody else in here know that you were a wretch? That you were a wreck? That you were a mess? That you, were, that you had a lot of problems and nobody could fix you but Jesus. Amen. Nobody could change the situation but God. Amen. Somebody was praying for you. A grandma, a neighbor, a, a friend, a family member was praying for you. And you're going to see this in a second. That man, that father, as long as that son was out, he was praying for his son. He, he, was, he was keeping him in his mind, and he probably said, Lord, and I've prayed this prayer many times over the years for people in my life, Lord, whatever it takes, whatever it takes. How many know there's nothing that can happen on this earth that can be bad enough for them to, that, that could be so bad that they would be worse than eternity without God? 
Lord, whatever it takes, let them hit the very rock bottom. Just save their soul. Come on, I'm talking to somebody in here. Just save their soul. This man's praying, and, and, and as he's praying, he doesn't know that far away, because this is what we've got to remember. God's working right now while it doesn't seem like he's working. Come on. He's working right now. You don't see it, but he's working. And as this man is praying, his son is coming to himself in a far country. Watch this. And he says, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? As he comes to himself, he realizes, I can't even get pig food and my father has servants who are eating good right now. What am I doing here? Right? How many know when you're walking with God, it's not perfect, but it's awesome? Come on, somebody. Does anybody know that it's awesome when you're walking with God? He, there's provision. There's joy. There's peace. There's, there, he, it's good. Amen? He's saying, why am, I, why am I here when I could be there? And so here's the turn. Watch this. He says, I will arise and go to my father. Now notice the father did not come to him. He said, I will go to my father because his father was in a position. His father stayed where he was supposed to be. His father did not go after him. And I want you to see that this morning. For that person that you're praying for, what you need to do, the best thing you can do for that person you're praying for is stay in your position. Stay home. Stay in the house. Stay in the word. Stay in prayer. Stay home. Do what you're supposed to do. Don't worry about what they're doing. Do what you're supposed to do. And God will work on them. Okay, so he says, I will go to my father, watch this, and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. Now watch this, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. See, they're out there right now, and they don't think they're worthy to be saved. They, don't th they think they've gone too far, but I want you to think about God's grace this morning. I want you to think beyond what we can understand because when I try to grasp grace, I can't. I can't. I, 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 how many know that my grace can only go so far? That's where God's just begins. Come on. Where our grace goes on our best day, on our most graceful day. How many have learned that you have some days that you're a little more graceful than others? Right? God doesn't have that issue. He doesn't change. He doesn't have mood swings. God doesn't have days like he's like, I don't feel like having grace. He is grace. So even when, he, when we would not feel like it, he's still grace. And he extends it. And so he says, he says I'm, I'm not worthy to be called your son. Now watch. He says, make me like your hired servant. So he comes with a spirit of humility and says, I just want back in the house. I'm not expecting anything. Now watch this. And he arose and came to his father, verse 20. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. He said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Amen. Amen. I want to show you something this morning. I want to show you a, a picture of grace. Bobby, will you come up here? Can I use you this morning? I didn't have anybody chosen yet, so 
It was any, many, many more. So Bobby is, is going to be, I used somebody else in the first service. Bobby is going to be the, the prodigal son, okay? And he didn't look this good when he came home. But I want, he didn't smell this good. But I want you to picture Bobby with no shoes. Can you take your shoes off of those boots? Is it hard? Bobby's like, man, I shouldn't have came to church today. <laughs> Just kidding. So now you're not as tall. Okay. So he comes home as the prodigal son. He's dirty. Listen, I, I, I've dealt with people in Costa Rica where that smell of sin and drugs and living on the streets and not bathing for weeks. Huh, Braden? Right? We know, Destiny, we know that smell, huh? When, when they come into the church and you can smell them as they're walking in because they've been out there so long. That's the picture you've got to have. I know, I know if I'd have planned ahead, I could have said, hey, don't take a shower for a few days. And, but <laughs> we're, we're, we can visualize that, okay? But the prodigal son comes in, and he comes in in this humility with no shoes. See, shoes were really important back then. Remember the title of the sermon, the ring, the robe, and the sandals. Shoes were very important back then. Today we have cars. We could, how, many of you, how many of you have ever gotten in the car and gone to go pick something to eat or something? You just went out in your flip-flops or you just went in your socks because you got a car. You know, go through the drive-thru or whatever. I see some heads nodding. I don't need shoes. We, they needed shoes back then. Shoes were very important back then because they walked everywhere. And so shoes were symbolic. And so how many know when he left that house, he had shoes? And when he went out and started spending money, he had shoes. He probably bought some really nice shoes, and he had lots of nice things. But at some point, it got real bad, and now he's coming home, and he don't have no shoes because, remember, he didn't even have any food. So he didn't have any shoes on. His clothes is tattered. He's, he's stinky from being with the pigs, and, and, and he's coming with this mentality in his mind that I'm coming home, and, and, and I'm going to try to just just wave at dad and just kind of shoot in and try to find a place to fit in. I just, if, if he would just be merciful to me, enough to just let me stay here, then maybe he would just let me work for him. Do y'all picture what his mentality is? That's what his mentality, we just read that, Father, I'm, I'm a sinner. I, I'm not worthy to be your son. I know I've messed up. Come on, I'm speaking to somebody here. I'm not only speaking to the one you're praying for, but I'm speaking to you to remember what it was like when you came home to God. We come in with that attitude of, Lord, I'm a sinner. I know I've made mistakes. And so he's just, he's just waiting. For, you know what he's waiting for? He's waiting for the paddle. He's waiting for the beating. He's waiting for the words. He's waiting for, here's what we like to do a lot of times. I told you so. Come on, stay with me. Right? Isn't that what we like to do in our flesh? Don't we like to, I told you so. This is exactly what I told you would happen when you left. You loser. You're going to come back here and ask. I mean, so come on. Let me, if, if it was us, what do you mean? What, we wanna, yeah, I'm going to give you a job, but you ain't working for me. I'm going to give you a job. You know, there's all kinds of thoughts that were going. Can you imagine the thoughts of this guy going home? All the way home. He's like, what is dad going to say? Now stay with me. Stay right here. You don't have no shoes to go anywhere anyways. Watch this next verse. Verse what? 21? 22? Where, is, where are we at? 20? 20, 22. But the father said to his servants, 
Bring out the best robe, the best robe, and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. And bring the fatted calf here and kill it. Let us eat and be merry. So Bobby's coming home and he's just looking for a job. All he wants is to be, all he wants is some food. I mean, first thing he's thinking of is some food. And when dad said, hey, kill the fatted calf, he's like, hey, let's, can we do that before the other part? I'm hungry. But dad, instead of, see, if I change this to our lingo today, it, what's it called again? The ring, the robe, and some sandals. Today it would be some bling, some gear, and some kicks. Amen? So the first thing we're going to do is we're going to make sure that he gets the best robe. He didn't just bring out a robe. He brought out the best. You notice that it said he didn't say go get some clothes. He said go get the best robe. Isn't this a different picture than what we would do? That father says, I, I, I'm not only am I welcoming you back, I want to give you the very best, and I've been saving something for you. Watch, someone's going to get this. While you've been gone, I've been saving something for you. Just got some arms. There you go. And he puts this beautiful robe on him. Now, I'm sure he told him to go take a shower first <laughs> and get cleaned up, right? Can you imagine... Can you imagine as, now I'm getting ahead of myself. Now go ahead and, now see there's some nice Jordans right here. Really nice Jordans. Jordans are expensive. Some people pay, pay, pay stupid money for these things. Like when the newest Jordan comes out, they go and line up. And some people can't even afford their rent, but they go buy some brand new Jordans, right? But that's a whole different story. So watch this. He don't even have to sit down. These are such nice shoes. Just slip into those. Watch his face because they're really comfortable, right? <laughs> See, they're really comfortable. Some nice Jordans, huh? So now he's got this, and here. But here's so. So let me let me just break this down. The father says, "Not only am I going to accept you back, but I'm so graceful and so loving, and so different than everybody else. I'm going to give you a robe. That robe biblically is a symbol of redemption and restoration." Redemption and restoration. The sandals represent ownership and belonging. So he says, son, I'm giving you those shoes because now you're back with me. And now, although I already gave you everything that was yours, now everything I still have is yours. It's all yours. Ownership. And then he breaks out the ring. The bling. It's a nice ring. Juan gave this to me. This is a Chicago Cubs replica of the World Series ring. Nice bling right here. And he goes over to his son. It's going to take two fingers for this one. And he puts that ring on his son, which means honor and authority. Honor and authority. Wait, time out. He's supposed to be over here working with the slaves and the servants because he's already squandered everything and that's what I deserve because I messed up and made mistakes 
That's what I deserve. And no, God says, no, I'm going to give you a robe. I'm going to redeem you back to your original position. I'm going to give you authority over my house again. And I'm going to give you a ring of honor and authority. Like you never left. Like you never left. How many are seeing a picture of grace? Like you never left. See, we can't, I can't grasp that. I'm, I'm only grasping it because I'm reading his word. I can't grasp that, but this is, this is the story. He says, go get the best robe. Amen? So, pretty cool ring, huh? All right, now I'm going <laughs> to take it back off. Now, thank you for your service. Yeah, you get that off. Definitely can't keep the shoes. <laughs> he said, I'll trade you the boots. Let's give a hand to Bobby for his help. Thank you, Bobby. Appreciate you. Now, stay with me because I'm not done. Beautiful picture of the end result. But over here, I'm going to come back over here. See, see, while Bobby was gone, put the shoes down here. See how they shine? The light hits it right. All these, all these things were given to me. I didn't buy these shoes. I didn't buy that robe. I didn't buy this ring. It was all gifts to me. So you get, and then you give, right? We can't give what we don't have. God has given us so much, so much, and we need to pass that on to others, amen? Watch. This is the most important part of the message. This is what's going to help you the most. While Bobby was away, while he was gone, I didn't change his room. We didn't, I didn't turn it into a man cave. I didn't put my wife's sewing machine, although she doesn't have one in there, but a lot of women do. I didn't, we didn't put it, we didn't make it a closet. How many are following me? Daddy said, my son is gone, but I'm going to prepare the room for when he comes back. So when he comes back, all his stuff's going to be waiting for him. So right now, we saw the end result so I could show you. But see, now we go back to where we're at right now because the person you're praying for is not here. The person you're thinking of right now is not here yet. But listen to this. They're on their way. They're coming in. They're on their way. God's working on them. God's dealing with them. And what you're doing here is you're in the house and you're doing what you're supposed to do. And sometimes when you go knock on the door of another house... And you tell them about Jesus. So you go give a bag of groceries to somebody else. Or you pay for somebody else's meal. Or, or you pray for someone at the park. Or you do all these different things. While you're doing that for somebody else, God's working on that person that you're praying for to come home. And the room is prepared. I want you to prepare the room for that person this morning in your prayers. Can you imagine? Now watch this. Stay with me. We're going to close here in a minute. Can you imagine what Bobby, the prodigal son, thought as his father not only accepts him and embraces him in his stinky state. I'm going to go back to the story. Remember, he ran out to him. How easy would it have been for that father to say, hey, my son is coming home. We're going to prepare a party for him. We're going to, we're going to do some nice things for him. But I want him to suffer a little bit first when he gets back. Somebody listen. 
I want to make sure that he gets a little scared. I want to put a little, I'm going to bless him. Listen, I, I can kind of, this is kind of, this is kind of where I can see myself going in my carnality. I know I'm going to bless him. I know I'm going to take care of him. But before I do, I'm going to, I'm going to put a little fear in him. I'm going to, I see some people nodding their heads. They're with me. I'm going to make sure that he realizes that he made a mistake when he left. Come on, somebody. I'm going to make sure that he's, I'm going to make him sleep out with the animals for a little bit. I'm going to make him earn his way back. That's what we would do. But God didn't do that. The product, because that's a picture of God. The father didn't do that. He went out to him at his stinkiest, worst, most lost place of humility and hugged him and said, son, I'm so glad you're home. That's love. That's love, church. At his dirtiest, stinkiest place. What a picture of grace. And he says, hey, I want you to go in because I've got a party planned for you. I want you to go get cleaned up. Watch this. Stay with me. I want you to go get cleaned up. And we're going to kill the fatted calf. He starts telling his servants, hey, go get, the, go get stuff ready. Can you imagine as, as the prodigal son is going through his house and he passes by his door of his room before he goes to take a shower and he sees that? Come on, somebody. He sees his room with the robe and the ring and the shoes sitting there waiting for him. Can you imagine the elation of that boy when he walks by and takes the double take and says, the whole time I've been gone, dad hasn't been cursing me. Dad hasn't been saying what a loser I am. Dad hasn't been telling, listen, stating the obvious. We do that a lot. We state the obvious. Come on, I'm talking to myself. We state the obvious of what they're doing, the problem they're going through. And a true believer, a godly person, God the Father, he's over there saying, I don't see them as what they are right now. I see them as what they're going to be. I see them in that position. Maybe this morning you can visualize that. What a, what a feeling to walk by that room and say, man, God, Dad, what a dad. When all this time when I'm over there eating pig food and I'm thinking he's not going to accept me, he's preparing my room for me? Didn't Jesus say I go to prepare a place for you? That where I am, you may be also. In my, house, in my Father's house are many mansions. Amen. So right now, no matter what we're doing, no matter whether we get there or not, how many know there's going to be some rooms that never get occupied? That's a fact. Some rooms are going to stay like that. But we need to do our part and prepare the room. We need to do our part and visualize that person or persons this morning in their robe. The Bible says that we'll eventually be clothed in white linen, clothed in white robes. Amen. We're going to have crowns from God. God's going to, this is a picture of the future. And we are going to sing that song, Amazing Grace in Heaven, with a whole new meaning. But how many know we could get a glimpse of it right here, right now, on this earth? Now, I want to show you one more thing. In this story, they have this party. And let's look at verse 25. It says, Now his older son, who was the original heir, was in the field. 
And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called to one of the servants and said, what's going on? What does this mean? And he said, your brother has come. And because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry and would not go in. And said to his father, he pleaded with him and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. I have never transgressed your commandment at any time. And yet you never gave me a young goat that I may make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours comes home who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. Now watch this. Here's what we need to be careful as believers. That we don't forget that we, before we got saved, we were that son. That was us. You might have been, my dad's been saved over 50 years. My dad's never touched a drop of alcohol. But he was that son before he met Jesus. We all are. We're all that son. We're all that daughter before we meet Jesus. We're that one. And so the one that's doing right now, we got to be careful now that that we're doing right, that we don't get jealous when somebody comes in and gets saved and God begins to bless them and God begins to touch them. And God begins to use them. We, sh- we can't get jealous because that's what the attitude of this son was. And, and we can become so spoiled as Christians and so blessed by his goodness that we can forget what this son forgot. He says, Dad, you've never, you've never, uh, what he's basically saying is you've never said you're going to kill a fatted calf for me. But do you realize that son was eating the fatted calf every day? Every day. He was eating of the goodness of of his father every day. But because there was a celebration of this son, he felt, man, when are you going to do that for me? And watch what he says here in the next verse. He says, son, you're always with me. And all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad. For your brother was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and now he's found. Amen. Shouldn't we rejoice? Shouldn't we be happy when people get saved? Shouldn't we be happy? Sometimes it's like we we want them to change, but then we don't really want them to change. Shouldn't we be happy? Shouldn't we rejoice when somebody comes in and changes? And we we, we look past the mistakes they've made, the things they've done to us, and say, I'm so glad. Thank God. Thank you, Lord, for having mercy on them like you had mercy on me. Amen. To whom much is given, much is required. And God has given us a lot of mercy and a lot of grace. See, when you're walking in God, you have everything he has. Remember the, remember the story of the son with the painting? He who takes the son gets everything. But today as we close, I want this to encourage you. I want it to be something for me. The first thing it is for me is a picture of how good God has been to me. How merciful he's been to me. That I was that prodigal son. That I was lost, but now I'm found. 
And then I want, it, I want it to be a picture of that loved one, that friend, that neighbor, that family member, those peoples that you're thinking of right now that are lost or that have gone out and need to come home. And I want you to visualize that right there. And you want to say, Lord, how do I prepare their room for them? How do I speak over their lives salvation? How do I speak over their lives change? And how do I act like you? to the very best of my ability. Father, I ask you this morning, as we begin to pray and reflect on this powerful story of grace, that you would help us to comprehend. There's a verse in Romans, Lord, that you say we can't even comprehend the height, the depth. We, that, Lord, you, you would love us all the way to hell. Lord, there are so many people, as your heads are bowed and eyes are closed this morning, there are so many people around the world today that are shunning the love of God. His arms are open wide. His mercy is new every morning. He says, come home. Wayward child, I'm here for you. And there, listen, church, unfortunately, there are going to be some people who don't come home. But God will still love them. But what we got to ask ourselves is, are we doing our part at home? to speak life over them? Are we doing our part at home to say, Lord, I don't understand why they're doing this. I don't understand why they're running, but I'm going to speak life over them this morning. I'm, I'm going I'm to declare, the Bible says that we can declare those things that are not as though they were. I want you to speak over your parents. I want you to speak life over your children. I want you to speak life over that lost friend, that lost neighbor, that lost brother, that lost sister. I want you to speak over them this morning. We're going to declare because, listen, there's nothing impossible for God this morning. You might think the devil's been telling you they're too far gone. They, they've been lost too long. They've gone too far. They've blasphemed God. You think they've blasphemed God. You think there's no hope. There's no way they can come home. But there is. There's hope. That's the greatest thing about being a believer in the Bible is there's hope. Maybe you're here this morning and you're the lost one. You don't know Jesus this morning. You don't, you don't know where you're going to spend eternity and, and, and you're in sin and you don't have a Savior and you don't have any hope and the Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now and He's saying, listen, I died for your sin. There's nothing you have done that I won't forgive. I'm speaking to somebody. There's nothing you've done that I won't forgive. That, that prodigal word of lavish, reckless living it entails the fact that that boy did everything you could possibly do wrong. He tried it all. He made every mistake to go as low as living with the pigs. And when he came back, God said, I accept you. I love you just as you are, but I love you too much to keep you that way. I'm gonna give you a new robe. I'm gonna give you a ring of authority. I'm gonna give you new sandals, new shoes. I'm gonna get, make you a new creation. 
If you're here this morning and you breathe your last breath today and you don't know where you'd spend eternity, the Bible says today's the day of your salvation and God's got a robe for you and a ring for you and some sandals for you and he wants to give you a new life. And if you're here and the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart right now and he's saying, I want to be Lord of your life, I want you to do something. I want you to be bold and I want you to say, Pastor, would you pray for me this morning by lifting your hand and say, I need Jesus this morning. The power of God is here. God bless you. God bless you. The power of God is here. He, he loves you so much. How many more all over this place? I need Jesus. God bless you. I don't care what you've done. God doesn't care. It's over. It's in the past. I want you to picture yourself coming home today. I want you to picture yourself with that father running out to you and hugging you and saying, I don't care what you've done. I love you. Kill the fatted calf. Get the best robe. Not a robe, the best robe. That's the grace. That's the mercy of God. I want that, Jesus. That picture of the mayor. He's a human being. Look what he did for that lady. He said, I'm paying your fine for you. 2,000 years ago, Jesus paid your fine. He paid it once and for all. That whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Amen. I want us to stand this morning, and as we do, I want to do two things real quick. Stay with me, church, please. This, this, is, this is important. How many know this is the picture of the gospel? This is the picture of the gospel. God softened my heart so much that I don't ever lose focus of who I was. Let, let, see, that's why, the, that's why a healthy church is always getting people saved. Because a church that has the same amount of people for the same amount of years isn't rebirthing. They're not, how many know babies stink and babies cry? And babies, babies are annoying sometimes. And sometimes the parents want to give them back. Say, I'm re I repent, Lord, of ever wanting a child. And that repentance continues as they get older. Amen? And then you have to spank them into submission. Amen. Spank your kids, by the way. Amen, often. How many, how many know we need that picture again of what we look like? That whiny, crying baby that stunk and, need, and needs help. And God says, I'm so merciful. I'm so graceful. I love you right where you're at. Several hands went up. Maybe you didn't raise your hand. Maybe, maybe you, but you just know, man, I, I got to make a change today. I'm coming to myself. You know, you can come to yourself in church. You can be here and, and something can click. Tomorrow is not promised to any of us. I say this a lot, but I mean it. Do you realize there's never going to be another March 31st of 2019? Never. It's only one. I got saved on October 4th of 1992. That day changed my life forever. That was the day that the old man died. That was the day I went home and father had the robe and the ring and the kicks waiting for me and I've been walking in them for the last 27 years and I'm, and I'm, I'm so thankful I love him more today than I did 27 years ago I, I thank God more today for his mercy than I did 27 years ago the more I fall in love with God the more I realize how I do not deserve his love so we got to take this serious we got to realize this is a moment where somebody's soul is hanging in the balance because if you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're going to stand before him one day. 
And Jesus said in his own word, he said, if you will not confess me before man, I will not confess you before my Father. If you deny me before man, I will deny you before my Father that's in heaven. But he says, if you'll confess me before man, I'll confess you before my Father. So we, we believe in this church. I can't speak for anybody else, but we believe in making a public confession of our faith. And saying, today's the day that I'm going to change. That, that boy had to humble himself. And he ran home and he said, Dad, I'm sorry. But thank, thank God Dad didn't give him what he was expecting. God's got something for you this morning that's better than you could ever expect. Amen. So if you're here and you raised your hand or you didn't, but you know right now, today is the day of your salvation. You've never confessed Christ as your Lord and Savior. I want you to step out of your seat right now. Find the nearest aisle and just come stand here. I'm going to wait just a few seconds. Several hands went up. Several people I feel are still needing to make a move here. Amen. Come on, let's rejoice. Just come stand right here in the middle, would you? Facing me. Come on, and wait just a few more seconds. Let me, let me say something as you're coming. I didn't ask you if you're a member of a church. There's going to be no church membership names in heaven. I didn't ask you if you've been baptized in water. I didn't ask you if you've paid your time. I didn't ask you any of those things. I asked you, have you confessed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, as He master this morning of your life? If you have not done that today, let's give them a hand as they come. Today is the day of your salvation. Now, all of you, and, and if you're still here and you're not ready and you need Jesus, come as I'm talking. All of you that are standing back there and you have someone in your mind today. You've got someone in your spirit today that you're praying for. Just as they came forward, your family's coming. Your loved ones are coming. They're coming. Just like this. And you're going to see them walk down the aisle. And you're going to see them confess Jesus as Lord and Savior. How many believe that this morning? How many believe that? Faith moves God's hand. So we're going to pray together, all together this morning. And, and we're going to say, Jesus, I, I can't do this on my own anymore. I want you to come and be Lord of my life. Here's what the Bible says is salvation. It's, it's kind of crazy to think about this. You don't have to pay anything or do anything. The Bible says in Romans 10, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's, a, that's grace. He didn't say hey, here's, here's a list of things I need you to go do. I need you to go, I need you to fill out this. He didn't do any of that. There was a thief on a cross as Jesus died. And he looked over to Jesus and he said, would you remember me today? He put his faith in Jesus. Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. By just confessing that Jesus was Lord. By belief, God knew that he believed in his heart. Now, the road after this is, is not so easy. It's not an easy road, but it's the best road. It's an amazing road. It's a road filled with challenges and, 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 and struggle. But the end result is we're eventually going to get a robe and a crown in heaven. And it's going to be so worth it all. Amen. Maybe you're here. Let's do one more thing. Maybe you're here. See, this was me at... At 19 years old, I, I got saved when I was nine.
but I ran from the Lord and I was that prodigal son running from my call and I came in at 19 years old. Maybe you're here and at some point in your life you said that prayer, but today you know you're not living for the Lord. How do I know? Because the Holy Spirit's dealing with you right now. That's how you would know. And you need to come home. If you're that prodigal son, I'm going to give you just a few seconds, prodigal daughter, just a few seconds to step out and come down and say, this is the, this is the beginning. Today's the beginning of my life. I'm starting over today. I'm just going to give just a few seconds. If you're here, you're a prodigal child, son or daughter, and you've been running, you need to come home. Today is the day. Now's your moment. Amen? So if everybody in here is saved, amen, if everybody now with these people, we're going to do this together. This is a family thing. You made the bold statement of saying, I'm going to go. And I'm telling you, the Bible says the angels are rejoicing in heaven right now because you guys came down. Amen. There's a, there's a party going on in heaven right now. Let's say this all together. Lord Jesus, thank you for your grace, your mercy, and your love, which I know I don't deserve. But I believe in your word. I believe that 2,000 years ago, you came down from heaven, lived in a body, born of a virgin, so there would be no sin in you. You lived a perfect life. And then you died on the cross for my sins, to take my place. And then you were buried and you stayed in the grave for three days and then you rose from the dead and defeated death and because of that because of what you did not what I can do I'm saved I believe that with all my heart with all my soul with all my strength Jesus forgive me for my sins wash me clean right now with your precious blood and write my name in the Lamb's book of life in Jesus name Amen Amen the Bible says the angels are rejoicing Amen welcome to the family Amen we're going to give you guys something to help you um, learn more about what you just did and then there's lots of people to help you Okay, just keep coming and you'll figure it out will help you learn the Bible. Amen. As they go back to their seats, let's give them another hand this morning. Amen. Let's, let's rejoice. Amen. This is what it's all about. Thank you, Lord. Now we're going to do one more thing this morning, and this is for anybody that wants to participate. Let me know no one's ever forcing you to do anything, but action is something that God looks for. We're going to sing a song. We're going to focus this next few minutes on standing in the gap for somebody. If you have a loved one, if you have a, a neighbor, if you have all those people you were thinking of just now, I want you to come to this altar and stand in for them this morning. Just, just begin to come. I'm not going to beg you or, or, you know, if you want to stand in for them, let's do that. We're going to stand in for that person. Just come. Thanks again for listening. If you want to hear more messages, please subscribe to our podcast channel. And if you like it, consider rating it and sharing it with your friends. For more content from VWO Denton, go to our website at vwotexas.com.